old speedy. The old phrase of the day is old as rhyme. Wow. I don't know what it means. Do you know what it means? No, but it made me immediately think of Beauty and the Beast. Tale as old well, as why time. I used it. Something as old as rhyme. Song. I think it's song as old as rhyme. Your song as old as I've rhyme. Just, there are a lot of ways that we categorize time and define it. Yes. And I've never heard it um, broken down in terms of rhymes. Yes. Is it hearkening back you know? to the days of bards singing on the street? That's what I imagine. Is that, yeah, like, is it Shakespeare? Is that one rhyme? Is like the 1600s? Yeah. So, obviously, the reason that we're using that as an old phrase today is because we are in mourning of one of the all time greats, Angela Lansbury, Dame Angela Lansbury. That's Speedy. right. And she is a swell dame, in addition to the normal definition of dame uh, in this usage. She's one of the best dames? Oh, yeah. One of the best dames. I mean, we can go on a whole retrospective, which I'm sure we're about <laughs> to, but... Ooh. We are. I, but let me, let me start here in a more general discussion before we get into her career. Um, and for those who don't know, she uh, voiced Mrs. Potts, the older uh, tea, teacup in <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, the 93 animated movie uh, about Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I want to start here. How do you typically receive news that somebody died? Because it's kind of become its own thing mm. at this point. Like, you don't find things out on the news anymore. And I'm on the news. And I'm aware we don't always break that to you. It's usually on Twitter or a tweet about something or most likely a family group text. In this case, <laughs> I found out she died from an all-caps text from you. That said, yes. Angela Lansbury is dead. And then I think I said podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the most heartfelt you response you could muster. <laughs> yes. I, um, I actually was visiting my family. And I was sitting at the kitchen table of my family home. And my sister went, <gasps> Angela Lansbury is dead. And I will have you know that she watches Murder, She Wrote, almost every single day. She loves the original Broadway soundtrack of, um, oh goodness, the name is Sweeney Todd. Oh, Sweeney, thank you, or, of Sweeney Todd. Um, she Tony for that. She, yeah. she wants to model her life actually off of the Jessica Fletcher character in Murder, She Wrote. She wants to go move to Cabot Cove no, and go solve that. mysteries. That's, no, that's what podcasts are becoming and we need people to stop being little investigators. Murder, She Wrote... <laughs> Is a, a CBS show that aired um, for over a decade. Angela Lansbury was nominated for twelve straight Emmys for it, and never won. Basically, playing this like journalist, writer, author person who started investigating mysteries. The pre-podcast murder person. Yeah. But I have never seen an episode in my entire life. So, Speedy, it sounds like you grew up with it. Uh, for those of us, including me, who don't really understand murder, she wrote. Um, <laughs> why is it so loved? Ooh, good question. I think there's just something so charming about her little town in Maine. You love the town, and it's also just so funny that a million murders happened in this cute little town. <laughs> a small town keeps having murders. Yeah. It's like Hawkins and Stranger Things. It's like, at what point are you all going to be like, okay. Right. But, Maybe we're, we need to go to a new location. And, and I will say, and that is, is then that's the difference, right? In Stranger Things, eventually people are like, uh-oh, strange, stranger things than normal are going on in this town. What is wrong with Hawkins? <laughs> no one ever notices at Cabot Cove. They must be scooping up bodies in the street. There are so many murders. There were so many seasons of the show. <laughs> and So wait, is it like, is it every episode, are they like, why is this happening in our small little town? <laughs> Interesting stuff never happens here. We're just a sleepy New England cottage. Exactly. Yes. We're just... Uh, and then it's 12 seasons. Yes, and then 12 seasons. Um, yeah. And and Jessica Fletcher from being a um, a novelist who does crimey uh, stuff in her writing. She is more successful in solving crimes than the real cops. And I enjoy that too because there's really no reason than her snooping around <laughs> without backup would be better 
That is bad. Podcasters, do not do that. <laughs> Don't <laughs> take it upon yourselves. It's. I think it's okay when journalists do it because we need journalists to hold people accountable. Um, but we don't need every person with a pencil to be above the law. Unless you're Angela Lansbury. Yes. In which case, it's quite charming. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah, I, now, I will say, it so, was devastating for my yeah. sister for that reason. And so she screamed it at the table. And my compliment to you, Danny, is that the moment that she screamed it, I immediately texted you. And I said, Danny has thank to you, know. So Okay. So were you thinking that... Because you were like, we need to podcast and vent? Or you just thought I should know because you knew that I would be sad? Um, I would say it's always, I mean, because we now share deaths of old people that we like. Just that's what we do now. I would say. That's sadly. <laughs> yeah, they're just intertwined at this point. Like, I think An you should know. An old soul podcast is linked with death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like I always say to you, or I think I've said this to you, the I'm Jewish. Uh, the Jewish prayer for death, the mourner's cottage, doesn't say the word death once. We embrace life. And we're here to celebrate Angela Lansbury's life. We're also going to talk about The Stranger, Billy Joel's most famous and best album, Turning 45. I do want to touch on Nicole Kidman oh, at course. some point and the sequel and SNL touching on her. But let's stick with Angela Lansbury. I, I made a list because I was trying to think of other people who were very famous to a previous generation and had had amazing careers, but millennials will only know them for voicing a character in a cartoon. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a lot of them where it's like they're in these movies and millennials have no idea. And then when they die, they're like, oh, Mrs. Potts died. It's like, <laughs> actually, Angela Lansbury uh, had six Tony Awards. Right. <laughs> yes, she was a teacup uh, in the middle of France, I think. Right. That is also true. I she see. probably like – she like. With all these things, it's like, okay, they were probably in studio for like eight hours. Right. That's it. Just read all the lines. Yeah. And then that is her legacy now. For our generation. For our generation. Yeah. And everyone else. Like, I was looking this up. So she's actually one of the few people that has an EGOT in nominations. She never, she was nominated for 18 Emmys and never won one. Oh my gosh. Which is just stupid. That is And she had three Oscar nominations. Her first Oscar nomination came in 1944. For which movie? <laughs> oh, I don't have to go look it up. I was just going to say that. Oh, okay. Um, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll just I'll be excited about the year. Say it no, again. No, I'll <laughs> listen. No, no, no. I will find it. I will. Hold on. I had, I had, hold on. I, I had it pulled up. I had her awards going up because I was like, I thought I had read it wrong when I said 18 Emmy nominations and no wins i was like well eventually they have to give her one right <laughs> like there's some, some pretty weird emmys okay in 1944 she was nominated for gaslight for gaslight oh interesting is that the film that made us use that word yes that's right because we looked into that that is yes. that's the movie where the the phrase gaslighting comes from we had we had done something else about that i think yeah i think yeah, we talked about this when we did the um, I Love Lucy podcast. Yeah. Because that movie used the phrase, don't gaslight me, which was from that movie, but hadn't really been used yeah. in the American lexicon until decades later. Okay. So she was part Great of it. point. Very cool. Yeah, so she's part of that. So that's why she's important, first of all. But no, but like, <laughs> so her first Oscar nomination comes out in 44. She gets her only Grammy nomination for album of the year for Beauty and the Beast in 93. So that's 50 wow. years later. That's 50 years. Oh, my gosh. Crazy career, but our generation doesn't know about it. But I wanted, so I made a list of other, I'm out of my breath. I'm in Colorado. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you sitting at the top of the mountain right now? <laughs> I am 5,300 feet up. Wow. So I just got out of breath. Why don't you tell everyone where you are right now in case somebody knocks on your door because you're not at home like you usually are when we record. Oh, are you giving me space to, to brag on the pod? <laughs> It's not a brag, you know, you're just sharing what you do. And if it comes off as a brag, um, then you should be proud of that. But I just wanted you to fill time while I catch my breath. Oh, gee whiz. Thank you, And also cover the premise that there could be knocks during this podcast. That is true. (laughs) Well, here, at the risk of sounding, what is the opposite of modest? Immodest? No, no no one's accusing you of anything. You could just say where you work. It's okay. No one who listens (laughs) to this podcast could possibly think that you're 
Somebody who brags a lot. You're a sweet old lady. And no, oh, I no thank you, Daniel. All right, then I'll say it in my sweet no old lady thing. voice. I currently am at the Funnier Die office because I'm working on a TV show for Funnier Die that will go on HBO slash Discovery. They're emerging right now. Who's to say where it's really going to go? But yeah, they might knock on my door. Uh, it's the middle of my work day. <laughs> Great. What is this voice? I'm sorry. Anyway, my list of other people who are generation will only mourn for voicing somebody in a movie that they probably spent three hours on. Um, Paul Newman was in Cars. He <gasps> voices like the older car. I think it's either his last or second to last role. Um, however, they might know him for being on Salsa Cans and Bottles of Ranch. So That's probably where they would know him, actually. Well, Yeah, they wouldn't know yeah. him for being in... Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or winning an Oscar for, I think, Road to Perdition. It's Ranch and Cars. <laughs> um, now, Ed Asner. Oh, sorry. Continue. Oh, sorry. Just just to go on a tangent for a moment. I don't yes, please. understand. Do the little kids even know who are voicing the cars? They're probably just watching the movie and going, hey, that's Lightning McQueen. They're not looking up. Oh, gee, is that Paul Newman as the car? That's so, just us. Yeah. I, I feel like only for some reason people do know Mrs. Potts is Angela Lansbury. Yes. And they do know That's Robin fair. Williams is the genie in Aladdin. Um, but I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of others off the top of my head. I've, that's fair. I think Mrs. Potts has become so endearing because that song is. Yeah. So she sings the title song. Probably like a top five Disney animated film song. Right. And a movie that was so big, it was animated and got nominated for Best Picture long before Up did. Mm. So, I mean, it was just like a a big deal. Yeah. So she sings that song. That's lasting. But no one's like... It's so interesting because I don't feel like people do that with like Colors of the Wind. You yeah. Know? Like, I don't know what it is about Beauty and the Beast. Or what old is rhyme it means. That's I guess that's just like a great song. And it was crazy that somebody that famous was singing it. I don't know how many famous people were doing animated movies at that time. Right. We need someone slightly older than us to be able to say. Perhaps. If you're an old soul at gmail.com, let us know why we associate her with Mrs. Potts so much. But no one's like, well, Paul Newman was in Cars. <laughs> um, the rest is my list. Uh, Ed Asner in Up. He was a famous actor in the 70s, and our generation knows him for that. If they, if they, do. If they do. None of these people sing a song. Hmm. I undermined um, your list before Al you finished your list, but keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's a really good point. Like, wh Why is it that like all the headlines have said, like, Angela Lansbury, Murder, She Wrote, Six Tonys, Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. I, I guess it's just like, one of the original, like, well, you know, Angela Lansbury and Mrs. Potts, you know. Right. Miss Potts? Mrs. I, I Potts? think Mrs. Potts, yes. Senorita Potts? <laughs> Ooh. Senora Potts. So, oh, Senora. Yeah. I don't know Spanish, but I think this is correct, yes. You live in Los Angeles. No, I took French in high school like a fool. Yeah, I know. I took Italian, and I'm like, who? You took Italian. Who let me do that? I did take Italian. It took six years of it. And it's a beautiful language. Like, my fiance now is Italian. I'm glad I can speak her family's language and heritage. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, it would be really useful to take Spanish. Huh. I wish that happened. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Albert Brooks and Finding Nemo. What? Like a super famous stand up comic Get and out. actor. Like, we know him. What do you mean? What? Like, oh, oh no. You I think people are rich. Know that he was in like broadcast news. Yeah, well, I, I mean, this segment is now just me being stunned at all the famous people that I guess have voiced things in kids' movies. I didn't know Albert Wait, Brooks did kids' movies. Get out. Well, he did Finding Nemo. He's he's Marlin. Oh my gosh! Shocking. <laughs> Truly shocking. <laughs> this is just me preparing people for when these people could die, so you can actually properly mourn and not find it out in a headline. Yeah. You're also helping to write the headlines. Hey, kids, Marlon's dead. You know? Yeah. 
please care. This guy was really important. He was a very famous stand-up comic. Johnny Carson invited him over onto the uh, couch to get interviewed after his stand-up set. That's like the coming out party of a comedian. You know, he's a big deal. Yeah. But find an email. Um, okay, I'll get past this list because I think I'm going to get... I could do this for like 20 minutes. I just kept... Like I was wondering like, okay, like do people our age know anything that Billy Crystal was in before Monsters, Inc.? He Have they seen when Harry Met Sally? <gasps> Speedy, do what? Did you only watch Murder She Wrote and like yeah. the Philadelphia Story <laughs> growing up? Did you yes. watch anything in color? No, I know Angela Lansbury from the nineteen fifty five sensation, The Court Jester, which is a great movie that everyone should watch, starring Danny Kaye and Angela Lansbury is Ooh. the princess. He's one of the people I'm named after. Really? Fun fact. Yeah, Danny Kaye and Jane <gasps> Thomas. That's a good person song, to be Danny named Boy. after. I think so. I hope so. I don't know. I have to do some Googling before I decide that nowadays, but it sounded good Fair in enough. theory at the time. Well, one of them made UNICEF. Um, I wanted to ask you, but I guess now I know the answer to the question since you like that movie, but like, we've had a lot of like older women who have died in the last year mm-hmm. who were like famously old. <laughs> Like Angel Lansbury, Betty White, Queen Elizabeth, like all of them had basically been famous for being old. Or I shouldn't say that. How were famous and old. I understand that. Generations, because they were all in their late 90s. Oh, sure. And and those are people that you pretty much, at least um, nowadays, you only picture them old. When you think Betty White, you think old Betty White. When you think Angela Lansbury. It's old Angela Ansbury. And it's actually very strange to see her as the young princess in the court jester. Even as a kid, with that being one of my favorite movies, it always looked like, it always looked wrong. Like, oh, no, Like no. a different person. They, they put grandma in a dress. Wait, no, no, she's, she's 20. Oh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I wanted to ask, like, how many people, or like, of the three of them, like, did you not see what they looked like young? Mm. until they died and then people were posting pictures of them like i didn't know what queen elizabeth or betty white or angela lansbury looked like young until they passed i was like oh really oh that's a good question yeah for you know what i mean like they kind of look the same for 40 years kind (laughs) of they they do for for betty white uh, i had seen it but while purposely looking it up because i was aware that to me she was just an old person Mm. and i was like wait but but she used to be young and swinging. And so I just wanted to explore that. Angela Lansbury, yes, I grew up with her older movies, but it still was weird even then because even when she was young, she looked old, if that makes sense. <laughs> like to me, she was born to be old. And I mean that as a compliment, <laughs> not as like a, a knock to her beauty because she was quite beautiful. Um, I mean, you were born to be old, right? I was born to be old. That's why we have a podcast called Old Souls, yes. right? Like we were born to be old people. Right. And I, I feel that, that she was she was the same on some level. Queen Elizabeth did not I, see her young until she was dead, to answer your question. <laughs> me too. I did a story about all the corgis, and I was like, oh, that's what she looked like. Okay. Oh. And then you're always like, you're always like, like looking for her. You're like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see her in there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Same eyes. Okay. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're looking for big shapes. Ah, yes, that's the nose. Okay, great. Um, Whose nose are you saying is big? No, I'm saying the bigger features. You have to go, okay, yes, that's right. the nose. You, okay, that's how you pin, the, that's pen, the pin them down. That's the eye, yeah. <laughs> okay, whew, crisis averted. Okay, I was like, who are you insulting? I do want to get to one more thing about Angela Lansbury. Do and it. then we can move on. I'm hoping you haven't seen this. It's a revelation that's kind of popped back up since she died. Uh. Um, and I'll give credit to Mail Online and The Independent for this. Did you know that in 2014, Angela Lansbury gave an interview where she said that her daughter was starting to join Charles Manson's cult? <gasps> I do okay. not know about oh, this. Oh, I'm so glad I get to break this news to you. You like you would have never been like, oh, Angela Lansbury, Charles Manson. Of course that could happen. Yeah. 
Oh, and I do like when you go full circle on a pod, Danny. I sure do. That's true. We have weirdly <laughs> mentioned Charles Manson way too many times in this podcast, but he did like dominate the culture of the late 60s and early 70s in Hollywood, and that's a big uh, chunk of time for us. That's a big rhyme of time <laughs> for us, so he ends up coming up a lot. I don't want him to. I would love to never talk about him again, unfortunately, in the week where... Dahmer was just announced as the like second highest viewed English language Netflix show ever. Get out. These serial killers and cult leaders keep coming back up and I hate it. <laughs> right. It's interesting. Um, but I wish it wouldn't taint all of our pop culture. Uh right. Yes. But <laughs> um but that it's is like, crazy. It, do you want to hear like what happened? Or do you want to do you want to guess? No, don't guess. No, Nothing no, good you, can come you, out of that. you should you inform guess? me. No. And I'll, I'll soak it up. <laughs> okay. So I'm paraphrasing. Please read the article. I got this from Variety. You can listen to it with The Independent. So you can get nuts and bolts there. But generally speaking. So apparently in the 60s, Angela Lansbury's daughter, who is now 69, um, started hanging out with Charles Manson's crew. She was like, infatuated with her. I'll just read Angela Lansbury's quote. Sure. Quote. Oh, and it got into drugs. Okay. Quote. It started with cannabis, but moved on to heroin. There were factions up in the hills above Malibu that were dedicated to deadly pursuits. It pains me to say it, but at one stage, her name is Deirdre. Deirdre was in with a crowd led by Charles Manson. She was one of many youngsters who knew him, and they were fascinated. He was an extraordinary character, charismatic in many ways. No question about it. End quote. A bunch of Hollywood writers listening to this right now just went with their pen, click, like, ooh. So he's a charismatic leader, you say. <laughs> Ten episode series? Hmm? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Don't tempt Please them. Please don't. Don't tempt all don't. the Hollywood don't, writers okay? listening to this podcast. How about you think of an original idea? Is that a crazy notion? Just think of an original idea. Don't bring back somebody we shouldn't talk about anymore. Great. Yeah. Um, okay, so then Angela Lansbury... Uh, I'm going to read you the quote. We upped sticks and moved the family to a house I found in country Cork, Lansbury said. I was drawn to Ireland because it was the birthplace of my mother and it was also somewhere my children would not be exposed to any more bad influences. I still have a house there, which I try to visit at least once a year. So I refused all work for a year and simply kept house. So basically, her daughter... Started hanging out with Charles Manson's crew, so Angela Lansbury moved her entire family to Ireland. Wow. Great mom. I was going to say. Sounds like a great mom. Mom of the century. Wow. I know. And she's got a a wonderful career. You can't be an L.A. person in Ireland. Wow. Yeah, she gave it up for a year. So wait, wait, did she say what year this was? I don't know if she said what year it was. Probably late 60s. Wow. Maybe 70s? Not sure, but what a cool mom. Anyway, unfortunately, this podcast keeps circling back to Charles Manson, so here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will say my the Irish side of my family is apparently from County Cork. I've never been there. but Really? Oh, yes. But when you said that, my eyebrows went boing, and I'd like to imagine Angela Lansbury frolicking with my distant relatives in a field or something sounds nice well her her mom is from there so maybe i don't know what if you're distantly related to angela lansbury i am going to choose to believe that reality yeah don't look it up don't ask you just are i just am oh yeah congrats by the way thank you thank you very much wow (laughs) series coming next fall murder she podcasted or angela lansbury's great Great uh, step cousin, <laughs> twice removed, <laughs> takes up her great great step cousin, twice removed, throne, and investigates murders in a small main town that averages one a week in prime time <laughs> scheduling. <laughs> you know what? It could explain why my sister is so taken with Angela Lansbury and wants to be her. So. My favorite Hermione quote, it's in your blood, Ari. 
I say it to Tina all the time whenever she makes like she makes really good like Italian soups. She'll make like menest, and I'll be like, "It's in your blood, Ari." <laughs> Do you say menest? Anyway. I don't. Yeah, that, I think that's what it's called. It has like um, vegetables. Is it and broth? Are you talking about like minestrone? Minestrone? Okay, I know you're Italian, so now you need to like. I I'm just wondering because I don't know what minest is. I'm one. I'm at genuinely. Is is that minestrone? All right, you have so many questions to ask your family when we get off this podcast. <laughs> Am I related to Angela Lansbury? Mm-hmm. And what is minest? Yes. It has like this like really dark green thing. It's like a vegetable, but it's it's like it's like escrow. Escrow has escrow in it. Okay. Huh. Moving on. Um, I'm afraid if we touch on Nicole Kidman, we'll never get to Billy Joel. So let's just quickly get to Billy Joel, and then we can end with Nicole Kidman. A little dessert for us, okay? Sure, sure, sure. Nicole Kidman also has been. Who who have we talked about more in this podcast? Nicole Kidman or Charles Manson? <laughs> it's probably close because we wow. have done an episode for each where they were a huge focus. Right, they've each had their own episode. Yeah. And then Charles Manson, we have touched on many times, but then almost as quickly went, oh, we shouldn't talk about that. But it probably adds yeah. up over time. Uh, yeah. Nicole Kidman, we do then linger on it's her just, when she She always says something it. that we find. She, she keeps doing something that we're like, wow, that's that's a real person. Yeah. And she made a choice <laughs> and she went with it. Good for her. Um, okay, so Billy Joel's album, The Stranger, which I happen to have and I'm now holding up. <gasps> what am I holding up, Speedy? Oh, my goodness. The man has it on vinyl. On vinyl. I have this album on vinyl, you fools. And you don't. I'm a superior hipster old soul. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> mm, tangible forms of music. Wow. And I bet it sounds better um, coming out of the record player. I don't have it on vinyl. I'm not truly experienced. It's a warmer temper. That's right. None of you have ever heard him before. Um, It's like a no-brainer, his best album. I was trying to quantify it for everybody. Uh, it's still his highest-selling album that's not a compilation. Um, I went on Ranker.com where people can like rank different things and it was like billy joel albums and it was like number one but like a large march and like every other album was like within like a couple votes of each other and then the stranger was like far away number one um now what makes this album special and for you at home or in your car or if you're driving what else do people do in the podcast at the gym um gym uh taking a bath taking a bath sure Laying in bed with headphones on, completely focused on every word that we're saying with no other activity. <laughs> okay. Now, if you remove my mom from it, um, <laughs> probably sleeping because of <laughs> they're like, mm, the only thing better than falling asleep to murder, she wrote, <laughs> is hearing people talk about it. <laughs> um, I'm going to read you. There are only nine songs in this album. I'm going to read you the songs on it mm-hmm. and then you're gonna go oh those are all my favorite billy joel songs Great. that's crazy <laughs> um okay the first side of the album there are four songs those four songs are moving out that's my favorite billy joel stri- song Fan- yeah i don't want to do a whole <laughs> segment on just how dare you disparage hackensack new jersey when he says who needs a house <laughs> out in hackensack Is get off my get new york suburb <laughs> What's wrong with a little space, William? Okay. <laughs> Moving out, The Stranger, Just the Way You Are, and Scenes from an Italian Restaurant. That's side one. Wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Th- that's David Bowie. Um, <laughs> but, but our favorite phrase. Okay. Yes. Side number two. Hmm. Drinking water for effect. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Side number two. Vienna, my favorite Billy Joel song. Ooh. Only the good die young. She's always a woman. And then two songs that nobody knows. But <laughs> still, it's like eight, it's seven songs in a row that are just like amazing bangers. American catalog, front runners, like 
dang yeah. one album you know what i actually would love after this to look at what the billy joel uh greatest hits album is and did they just copy and paste the track list from this <laughs> and that's half of it well speedy <laughs> <laughs> Every time we do a podcast, I say I'm going to do less research. <laughs> and then I have all these little questions that I want to know, you know? Yeah. I was trying to quantify that too. So I looked at one of my favorite websites, setlist.fm, which like, it like lists the set list every time somebody plays a concert. And then it'll like break it down by like most popular songs and like which songs from which albums they played. <laughs> For nerds who love concerts like me and my brother. That's what we like to quantify. Uh, so I looked at Billy Joel, and then I think the person who's most comparable to him in his career is Elton John, the two piano men from the 70s. So right now, on Elton John's farewell tour, he's playing five songs from Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, which has 17 songs. Billy Joel, in his monthly shows at Madison Square Garden, is playing six or seven, mostly six songs from this album, which only has nine tracks. So wow. he's playing six of the nine songs from his album during all of his shows at Madison Square Garden, which is an, a crazy, a crazy, what words did I say? A crazy, a crazy, a crazy percentage of like, this is my best album. Yes, I'm probably the most like prolific American singer since like Frank Sinatra, or I guess now like Taylor Swift, but like, so many hits from one album. Just very cool. It's actually a wild fact you have shared. Crazy. Really? It is. But only I would find it cool. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm giving you the reaction that you seek. Okay, so is it authentic? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. I also wonder if you're sick again. of this album now, but anyway. <laughs> well, that is the age-old question. Do you get grateful that you still have it to play and people want to hear it? Or are you like enough yeah. with this album? It's 45 years now of playing it. All right. I feel like you have to do the Bob Dylan thing where he just changes up the flow of the lyrics when he does it in concert. You know, instead of just sing it along with the music, you wait for five seconds of silence and then you go. Is that true? Does he really do that? Oh. Does he fake everybody out? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, some live recordings, yeah. He he likes to really play with the, the spacing and stuff. So, the, yeah. <laughs> the music goes, and he kind of crams it in. It sound, to me, it sounds like he's having fun with it because he's probably sung it so many times. The other version is like when I saw Neil Young, he'll play like three songs you want to hear and then just do like an hour-long set about saving the earth with modern songs we never heard. <laughs> like, I saw Billy Joel's Madison Square Garden concert. It's awesome. He actually still has a voice despite being in his 70s. By the end, it's starting to fade, but it's like really good for somebody that, that age. And he plays all these hits, and a lot of them are from this one album. When I was reading that, like, and I think this is always like good to hear if you're listening to this at home, in the bathtub, driving, in the car, in bed with headphones on. Billy Joel was about to be dropped by Columbia before this album came out, apparently, because... Piano Man had come out in 73, and then his next album, Turnstiles, like, didn't do well, and it was like, okay, is this guy like another one at Wonder? We had a lot of those in the 60s and 70s. And then he had this album, and it, like, saved his whole career and launched him into superstardom. And I just, like, want people to know that, like, these people that are really famous now and are doing really well now, like, they struggled too even after like one success. Like they were like, oh, I got Piano Man. I'm good now. Right. It's still like his most popular song, but he still like had to wait another couple of years to get the right songs to like sustain that. And I think that's good to hear for you and me, for you at work with Funny or Die. Hope all of your coworkers are hearing this. <laughs> and for me along this journey in news. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right. And, and, that, and that's what they always say. It's uh, whenever you have something good, whether it's, a song or a movie, ba-da-ba-da-ba. Ba, da, ba. It is a business, and you can't just rest on your laurels. The next question you're always going to get is, okay, what's next? Right, what are you working on? Right. What are you working on? Yeah. Um. Okay, last thing I wanted to do with this album before we get to 
Nicole Kidman real quick. Is um, I wanted to see if you could like if I just took the top five songs from this album and you used all of Billy Joel's greatest hits. Could you come up with five better songs than the ones in this album? Ooh, like what would you use? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. So I, I would take from this album "Moving Out," "Just the Way You Are," "Seeing Some Italian Restaurant," "Only the Good Die Young," and "Vienna." Those would be my big five. If you were gonna try to use. All of his other songs to compete with that top five. Do you want me to help you, or do you want you? you I, I think, think you we got should it? collaborate on this. I mean, the the obvious okay. pick we you start with Piano Man, right? Got to build this piece by piece. <laughs> um, I think you would take "We Didn't Start the Fire." Oh, sure. One song of the year. That's like a big song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now this is going to get really subjective. Right, right. I, I, I guess like it's still rock and roll to me, or Big Shot. I feel like Big Shot's a really famous song, right? Ooh. Although it's still rock and roll to me, definitely. I feel like that one has more uh, instant recognition for the general public. Yeah, yeah. That's like a very well-known song. Right. Okay, so let's. Okay, so let's say you took. Uh, <laughs> Uh, piano man yes oh well i just had a thought and i'm realizing that we're mm-hmm. almost building two different things i feel like the album sorry not the album the songs that you plucked from the stranger i would say that those are truly five of his best and the ones that we're now populating in the competing list i feel like are the more recognizable songs that you would use uh... to prove to somebody look billy joel is a superstar he's he's a legend you, We're you've going to like his pop man. songs. Yeah, yeah. Or, okay, these are famous, but not necessarily his best. Right. Like, I hate the song, We Didn't Start the Fire. But if you're trying to prove that he's a legend and was influential, you've got to put it on, you know? <laughs> you hate it? Like, yeah. It's, it's just been used to death. And I had a school assignment where we had to change all the lyrics to it. And I, I don't know. I just... It's it's so almost too famous. Hate... It got ruined. <laughs> mm. When it came out before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> they really ruined it. They really ruined since it then. for me. Yeah. <laughs> so do you hate all joy? All of joy? Uh, or just popular joy? Because <laughs> how could you possibly <laughs> hate that song? <laughs> Who do you think you are? Maybe I hate all joy. This is a deeper question than I think you intended. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> well, if you're an old soul and you're, you know, you you get I like for me like eventually, like there are a lot of songs that I listened to a lot as a kid, and now they're still played. Can you hear my cat? By the way, I thought I heard a scratch. Yeah, so my cat um, is playing with a ball. She knows I'm podcasting. Anyone <laughs> at home with a cat knows that your cat always knows exactly. How to piss you off. <laughs> Last night at one in the morning, she was clawing on the carpet to wake me up. She knows I'm going to be asleep in another couple hours. She doesn't care. Now she's rolling a ball across the floor. Okay. I'm looking at, um, oh, The Entertainer is a good one. Mm. Um, I'm looking at Billy Joel's set list. New York State of Mind. That'd be on there. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. I think I like, I like your answer. You might get other pop songs, but the ones on this album are his best. You're not going to get better than seeing some Italian restaurant in Vienna and moving out, even if you're from Hackensack and you're a little mad about it. <laughs> Who needs a house out in Hackensack? Is that all you, Is that all you get, get for, for your, your money? money? His five-set encores, We Didn't Start the Fire, Uptown Girl, It's Still Rock and Roll to Me, Big Uptown Shot, and You May Girl. Be Right. There yeah, Uptown we Girl's a good go. one. That's a good one. There we go. In the style of Frankie Valley from New Jersey. <laughs> are, are you from yeah. New Jersey, Danny? Have I brought that up yet? Well, allow me. <laughs> um, okay, real quick, because you have to get back to work. I do. This is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, literally the day after our last podcast, we took a little break. Sorry, everybody. I could give a lot of excuses. Um, I'm sorry. Is the answer. But the day after our last episode dropped is when they announced that Nicole Kidman and her AMC commercial that you and I are obsessed with was getting a sequel. And then 
I probably wouldn't have brought it up, but then it came back in the news because SNL did a parody of it and their season opener last week. So then I was like, okay, it's relevant again. But I want to read you a quote from the guy who wrote it. Who wrote the original commercial? Yes. Oh, good. Who wrote your favorite line? Yes. Excellent. Say it. Say the line. Heartbreak feels... Oh, sorry. I, I already messed it up. Somehow, heartbreak feels Thank good you. in a place like this. <laughs> oh, excellent. Apparently, it's written by screenwriter Billy Ray, who um, also wrote The Hunger Games. No kidding. Huh. And was nominated for an Oscar for Captain Phillips. Wow. And they got him to write an AMC So an commercial. Oscar nominee wrote that line, Speedy. <laughs> and it's great, much which is why I love it. Is it great? <laughs> it would be great if it was somewhere else. It's ridiculous because we're talking about AMC. And I'm picturing candy stuck to the floor, a guy wrestling into <laughs> his popcorn bucket next to me, Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. It's funny. <laughs> I think it's funny because, like, that would have been true 30 years ago when we had most, like, real movies in an AMC mainstream theater and not, like, an independent theater that would air that stuff. Mm. Like, have you seen Worst Person in the World yet? No, I haven't, no. Okay, so Tina and I watched that. It's like a foreign film. I think it's Danish. I bawled my eyes out. It was a heartbreaking movie. It was a beautiful movie. I didn't see it in AMC theater. It's like, uh, are you like crying in the multiverse of madness and Doctor Strange? And it's like, I don't think fabricated CGI heartbreak feels good in a place like this. (laughs) Well, right. And hence (laughs) the movies that they cut to in the commercial. It's true. Jurassic I like Jurassic World. Park. And Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, and Wonder Woman. <laughs> um, okay, let me read you his quote to Vanity Fair in an exclusive. He said, I got a text from the chairman of AMC about a month ago asking me if I would write the next one. And of course, the answer to that is yes. <gasps> it's already written. <gasps> Get out. <laughs> Get out. The magic of cinema is alive. Even in just the words that he spoke, he believes his message. It is already written. Uh, what do you think it's going to say this time? What do you think he didn't get to last time? <laughs> That's a great question. You know the whole thing by heart. What does she say? Wait, say again? You know the whole original commercial by heart. What does she say in it? Oh, gosh. Uh, let me, I have to pluck out lines. Our heroes are perfect and powerful. Um <laughs> We come here because... Our villains are weird and strange. Okay. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what they haven't touched on. Continue. Oh, sure. They, they talk about how uh, we need this, all of us. Um, we don't really need this. We've learned this over the last couple of years that we can actually stream most things from home, but it could be nice to go to the theater every once in a while for like a big movie. All right, continue. Right. Uh, they go into great depth about... Uh, how intense and personal the actual uh, theater-going experience is and how it affects your senses. So um, they talk about the indescribable feeling when the lights begin to dim and sound that you can feel. <laughs> and they, they rotate the camera around your head so you can see like the surround sound around her head. Uh, <laughs> it's it's she, a pretty comprehensive commercial. What was that? Is she in heels too? Oh yeah, uh, in a sparkly pantsuit. Yep. Yes, I have not gone to the movie theater without wearing sweatpants. <laughs> I think in like seven years. Yeah. Right. You know, like I, <laughs> it used to be like a date night thing. Now it's like a oh, Tina doesn't want to see the new Marvel movie. Okay, I'll go alone. <laughs> and I'll wear sweats by myself and eat popcorn sandwiched in between two different families of children. Which actually happened to me when I went to go see Thor. It was like, kids on my left, kids on my right, me and popcorn. <laughs> Man. And I just get cold in the theater. So even if I were to wear a sparkly <laughs> so pants true. and heels, I'm putting on the Eskimo coat the second I sit. So It's always cold in the theater. And honestly, the indescribable feeling when the lights begin to dim is, should I go to the bathroom one more time? Just right. one more. 
to make sure I can, you know, get through the whole movie. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to have people explain it to me in the middle of it and like whisper like she died, you know. Yeah. So, I, I, could I pee real quick? They have to get through like the Miramax logo, or <laughs> do you, you know? Oh yeah. As I've gotten older, that's like the biggest thought when I'm at the theater is I can't press pause. Oh, absolutely right. You know that you're in for it. Uh, it is a stressful experience when the movie starts, which honestly, I feel like could have been a motivation for the creation of this commercial. Because it feels to be very much so that this is supposed to be you getting comfortable in, you, in your seat. You're mentally prepping to dive into the movie and not care about the external concerns. Uh, so maybe that's what they were trying to fight with this commercial. What if the new commercial is like, we've introduced a new device called the personal pause button. where <laughs> Everyone in the theater has the ability to press pause. Oh, boy. We know you miss that kind of autonomy. <laughs> We're all in this together. And when yeah, someone else in, in the control. theater pauses, you can feel good that their needs are being met yes. while you wait. And you can go, too. Wow. You know how you usually scroll through Netflix for an hour and can't pick out what to watch? Now you can all do it together. Wow. Personalized theater experience. <laughs> hmm. You know what? I bet this next round will be something about the comfort of the theater because AMC has put tons of money into those recliner seats and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Maybe it's like this this is a luxurious experience in that way, but not in an uncomfortable way. You are being pampered. You're going to be cozy. I don't know. I want Nicole Kidman in sweatpants. <laughs> And a sweatshirt <laughs> and fuzzy socks in Birkenstocks in, co- in a recliner, feet up. <laughs> Fine. She's not in the private theater that she probably has at her house. She's at AMC. Everyone there is not on a date night. They're just lounging. And be realistic. You can hear people chewing and people whispering little jokes. And you can hear kids talking to the movie let's just be honest it's just a cozy communal experience yeah right maybe they're gonna lean in hard to the annoyances and be like wow isn't it great to watch a movie while the youth of america is next to you their eyes lighting up while they scream um and rustle around in their chair it's invigorating somehow uh, somehow other people chewing feels great in a place like, like this, this. <laughs> somehow we don't know how okay. but do you think she says that line again or repurposes it another way because it's what everybody thinks about Ooh, i'm gonna say no i'm gonna say no I hope you can't you can't reproduce perfection. You can't, you can't, and I hope that they're wise enough to understand that. Because, uh, and I, I have very strong feelings about this for no good reason. I'm worried that the sequel is not going to have the magic of the first, because the original commercial is so sincere. They did not realize how out of touch with reality it's it was. Sincere. It was. It's sincere. You think Nicole Kidman goes to theaters with people? It's. They, they were sincere in not realizing how ridiculous everything is and how out of touch it is. I think they really believed their message and thought it would touch people. But people love it ironically. <laughs> yeah. So you, well, you, so you think now, now they won't be sincerely out of touch? Yeah, I think now they have heard the response. Everybody loves it, and but they love it ironically and so now the second version is going to be tainted because they're aware of how it was perceived this is so it's like the room right yes it's like tommy wiseau in the room it's like yes at some point he probably realized people loved it ironically right but what the heck like he's getting a lot of attention and he makes money for it so exactly who cares right and same with the uh the sharknado movies I, mm, they made like five of them, right? Right. And and the first one was a surprise hit when people were like, wow, this movie is ridiculous. So then they made a whole bunch of sequels. And I have watched them. 
and nothing has the magic of the original Sharknado because then they knew what they were doing. If they became self-aware, so I'm worried, Danny. I'm worried for the AMC sequel. I am. I wonder if he saw the SNL sketch where they have her like rising in the air like a cult leader, right. like with lightning <laughs> coming out of her eyes. And they were like, oh, maybe they don't like it for the reasons we think. <laughs> like, they, he had to rewrite it. Like, it was rewritten again. again. Because they're like, oh, people think this is a joke. We didn't know. We want a Peabody. So we thought that everybody <laughs> loved it. And now we realize right. that they don't. Yeah, that's true. Maybe, maybe the SNL sketch gave it away. But also, it's SNL's <laughs> job to make fun of everything. So maybe, maybe there's true. hope that they still don't get the response <laughs> just go for it just just lean in sorry my headphone fell out of my ear because i got so passionate just lean in <laughs> just say our, our heroes are powerful what is it uh our, our heroes are are perfect and powerful so i think that's yes. how she goes yes yes talk like that smile the whole time she only shows superhero movies and sequels like I think Creed is in there too. It is in there. <laughs> Just go for it. <laughs> don't, don't. Yeah, we we agree. We agree. Thank goodness. This this is one. <laughs> you thing. want to go back to work now? It's it's critical. <laughs> I do have to go back to work. But this this is one area that it is it is critical that we are on the same page, Danny, because nothing is closer to my heart than this AMC commercial. So I am relieved. Well, I'm I'm very glad we agree. A tale as old as rhyme. Yes. Something in Hollywood getting a sequel. Beauty and Beast. Beast. <laughs>